I had this opportunity to speak at this youth conference um, in Fort Myers, Florida, uh, and it was in the middle of the summer, so it was just humid and absolutely, you know, unbearable heat, um, but it was a really cool conference. It was this vineyard conference for young people uh, that were, you know, kind of in the age range of like 13 to like 21, so a lot of high schoolers that were there, and, and so I, I went, and um, we were speaking about how the kingdom of cause, uh, the kingdom of, of God is the greatest cause to both live for and to die for. It was like both of those things, okay? And uh, it was really cool. And one of the things that they did is they had these breakout sessions. And so like the morning, there'd be like a, a you know, a speech and music and all that stuff or a sermon or a blurb, if you like. Um, and then there'd be these breakout sessions where you might go into a classroom and learn about, about some different aspect of, of hearing from God or you know, whatever. And then I signed up to be a part and to monitor this group. And it was about, I don't know, like maybe nine people. And we were going to do this thing called a treasure hunt. And uh, for those of you who have been in the vineyard for a really long time, you might remember this, this idea of treasure hunts. But the idea is this. So we sit down in this room and uh, we, we sit there and we, we say, okay, we're going to take some time right now for the next 20 minutes. We're not going to talk. We're not going to make a plan. We're just going to listen to God. And we're going to try to hear if God might speak to us about what we can go do in our community to serve people. And so we're sitting there, and I don't know if you're like me, but like about a minute and a half of silence feels like an hour and a half. You know, like I'm sitting there, and I'm like, and I'm supposed to be like facilitating this like really spiritual moment. And about three minutes into it, I'm like, I just want, does anybody have anything? You know? And, uh, but I made it. I set my timer, waited the 20 minutes, and so we all gather up in a circle, and a couple of, there's probably five people that, five 13 to uh, 16-year-old kids, just about, okay? Um, and they, they had some things, like they started sharing, oh, I felt like the Lord had, you know, said we should go here. And then one person says, hey, I feel like we're supposed to go across the street, and there's this gas station and there's a guy named Carlos there that needs to know that his aunt's going to be okay. And I'm writing these things down. And that's like pretty specific, right? Okay? So I'm like, and in my mind, okay, I'm, I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks today. I believe, our church believes that God heals people. I believe in miraculous things. But that's weird. Name Carlos? I'm like, that's too specific, you know? That's my mind. I'm, I'm like going through it. So I write, write these down in my little notebook, Carlos. Needs to know that his aunt is going to be okay. And then another uh, young lady is like, hey, I think we should go to Starbucks and we should pay for people's coffee. And then after we pay for people's coffee, we can tell them about Jesus. And I'm like, that one I feel really good about. I'm like, that's safe. There's no Carlos involved, right? Starbucks. I could use a latte right now dealing with all these teenagers. I'm like, I'm in. That one's cool. So we go to the gas station, and we get there, and uh, we walk in, and, and this, I'm such a coward. I'm like, you're the one who came up with this idea. Go, go do your talk, you know? And she walks in, and she's like, uh, sir, is Carlos here? And the guy's like, there's no Carlos. And I'm just like, exactly, exactly. And then uh, she's like, you know, totally like, oh, I thought God, you know, she's like kind of processing this. Like I was really sure because she was confident, you know. And we walk out and, 
And I'm like, you know, in the Bible it says that we know in part and we prophesy in part. And that sometimes we get things wrong. Like anybody in the room ever get it wrong? Yeah, right? So anyway, uh, we walk out there and we're like reconvening. And I'm going into pastor mode. I'm like, oh, it's totally okay. You know, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. We have to take risks and we have to do these steps of faith. And it's going to be okay. Next time you'll get it. And the dude walks back out and he's like, hey, a guy named Carlos works here, though, and he's out on a run right now. He's on his way back. And then I'm like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> and so we wait there for like five minutes, and this guy, Carlos, comes up. And then, uh, again, I'm, this is terrible. I'm being very vulnerable right now. I'm like, go talk to him, because I, like, back up. She walks up to this guy, and she says, hey, we were uh, across the street praying, and we really felt like there was a guy named Carlos here that needed to know that his aunt's going to be okay. And this guy is like super, like just, you know, does not give us any tell. We have no idea whether or not this is accurate. He's just listening. And she's, you know, kind of nervous. And she says, so I don't know if it'd be okay, but I, we'd love to pray for you. And he's like, okay. Like just not at all letting us know. She prays this like beautiful, you know, young teenager's prayer, just absolutely full of faith. Asks God to bless him and bless his aunt. His aunt, we don't even know if he has an aunt by, this, by the way at this point. And then um, she gets done and he's crying and he says, yeah, my aunt's in the hospital. How did you know that? It was like crazy. And so then she says, well, you know, God speaks to us and she gets to share the gospel with him. And so we leave there and I'm like, I'm like, we're about to go lead the whole entire city of Fort Myers to the Lord of Starbucks. Like, that's about to happen. I know it. We are. This is amazing, you know. Like, revival's about to break out. I'm going to become a televangelist preacher. I'm getting a big old gold watch. It's going to be baller. So we go to Starbucks, and we're like, we weren't really sure um, what was going to happen, but their idea was to buy some coffee for some people. And in my mind, as we're walking there, I'm like, what that means is I'm going to buy some coffee for some people. These teenagers uh, love to spend my money. That's what I've learned. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Okay? Truthfully, that's what I'm thinking. We get there, the, the, like, the six or seven kids pool together like $650 of cash. Yeah, and I'm like, they give the money that their parents gave them. That's a joke. Come on, guys. Do you not know that that's how it works? Okay. All right, just check in. I mean, not in my house, but other people's houses, I've heard that's what happens. But uh, they pool their money together, and honestly, a lot of them had, you know, side jobs. Little, They put their money, the money that they had to be able to spend on whatever they wanted they put together and we get $650 of, of cash. So we walk in and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of leaving the charge of Starbucks. And I'm like, hey, I walk up to the manager and say, hey, we've got this group of teens and they'd like to pay it forward and buy some coffee for people that come in. Is that, is that okay? And they're like, yeah, but they're trying to figure out how to do it. And I said, well, why don't we just have you buy a gift card and put like $650 on the gift card? So we do that and there's this gift card. And we're like, and we said, you know, hey, anybody drive through or, or come into the counter, whatever. We got 650 bucks. And so we go and sit down. And, and the idea that the kids had was that we'll sit at a table and just be hanging out. And if anybody is curious or wants to know why we did that, what they wanted to say was, this is just a practical way to demonstrate the love of God. That was their plan. Okay. So we're doing that. And like people are coming in and they're like, it's, they're, they're weirded out by this. They're like, why? And, uh, you know, like, well, that's kind of weird. And they would just walk away. 
Most people didn't come over to our, our table to talk to us. Uh, a few people would be like, oh, thank you, and then just take off. Well, there's this couple, this older couple, um, who goes through the drive-thru, and they order their coffee, and they get it, and then they, they are told that they don't have to pay because some people paid for them that are inside. I mean, the people working in the Starbucks were really helpful for us because they're like, they're the ones, you know, blaming us. So they go around, they park, and this guy and this, this lady walk in. And so when they're walking in, just to give you a visual, uh, at the time, let's see, if this is, you know, I don't know how many years ago, but like nine or ten or something like that. It's before we moved here. Um, but so I was like 35-ish or whatever. At that time, 65 felt really old, just going to be honest, okay? So I thought they were like in their mid-60s. Now I'm like, they were 90. 95 seems old still, like, you know, 80's not that bad, 70, that's not bad, that's young actually, and 60 is totally okay, all right? So I, they walk in, and the lady's got like this punk rock purple hair, and she's got a few tattoos. She looks like, like a, a punk rock chick from the, the 80s, you know, but she's gotten older. And her, the guy walks in, and he has like a mohawk, um, and again, these are like, they're like older people, right? He's got a mohawk, full-on prison tattoos everywhere, big gauges, and he walks up, and he's like, like kind of angry. It's like, why'd you guys do this? And the kids, you know, are a little scared. They're kind of like, um, we, just, God, love, um, you know, and like, kind of like, are we about to get, you know, <laughs> taken out? And, and the lady's just like, oh, thank you. And, and so this, this young girl, this young teenager says, well, we just want you to know that God loves you. And, um, and, and the guy is like dumbfounded. And I remember he was just staring at us, like just staring. And it was like awkward. And he, he looks at his, his wife and he's like, can you believe this? And she's like, you know, like, oh, it's so nice of them. And he looks back at this girl and he's like, but, but why did you do this? And this teenage girl says, I, I just want you to know that God loves you. And he is like dumbfounded. He's like, well, like, are you guys part of a church? And, you know, and then all of us adults are all super brave. We're like, yeah, we're with the vineyard, you know? And, uh, and we're like, yeah, we're at the vineyard church across the street. And, and he's like, well, do you guys have like a church service? And yeah, we have church services on Sundays. And at this, this is like a big mega vineyard church, had like three services and uh, we're like, yeah, it's at 8.30, 10, 11, 45, whatever it was. And, and I'm like, most of the time in those situations, you never see those people again. That's my assumption, right? But that guy like left, and you could see it on him. He was like, like it just was really heavy on him. So anyway, the next day go, comes around, and uh, first service gets done, and I walked into the cafe, and I was getting a cup of coffee, and I was sitting down in the cafe, and I watched as this couple walks into the building, goes right past, you know, it says hi to people, whatever, welcome, and goes and sits down. And I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. And I'm in the service. At the end of the service, they do an opportunity for people to respond to the gospel. They, he, he, the, the pastor, Jamie, shares the gospel. He shares that, you know, every human being is, is broken and is a sinner. We all have a sin issue and that the only way to experience peace with God is through Jesus' death on the cross. By God's grace, we, we, we place our faith in Jesus, and we, and we can come into his kingdom. And this couple stands up at the end, 
and goes forward and responds to the gospel and gets saved. Okay? And I'm like, yeah, it was my idea. I was the one who came up with it. I was the one who did everything. No, I was kidding. But I'm like, I'm super pumped. And, and so I go back in the cafe and they walk in and they walk right up to me and they sit down and they're, he's, he's weeping, absolutely weeping. And, and I'm like, man, this is, I'm so great. I'm so glad you guys came. It's so great. And I'm like, tell me your story. This guy spent prison, he was in prison for like 30 years for drugs and, and gun trafficking out of Chicago. He was in a biker gang. I mean, really rough, rough life. And he had just gotten out a couple years before this. So he'd been in, in prison for like most of his life. And he's, he's sharing his story and he's like telling me the trauma he went through as a kid. He grew up in this environment. His dad was a biker gang person. He'd seen drugs his whole entire life, got sucked into it, went to prison. And he's telling me, he's like, I have spent my whole life having this weight and I have all this shame and this guilt and I just, I, I feel, you know, I feel it war inside of me and I, I've, I've always felt this way. I've never, ever known if God could forgive me and could love me because of everything that I've done in my past. He's like, and today I heard the truth about God, that God loves me and his, his wife is just weeping. I mean, she's like, you have no idea and I'm like, I'm overwhelmed because this whole thing started out with this 13 or 14 or 15-year-old girl sitting in a circle, listening to God and hearing that we were supposed to go buy people's coffee. Isn't that crazy? Absolutely crazy. And so that person, that, that couple, they, they become born again. They have this, this whole experience and it's really beautiful I mean, it's an amazing story. It's one of those stories that every time I think about it, I've, I've shared it a few times, but it's like every time I think about it, it's like that is exactly what we want to see happen here in our church. Amen? I, I want to read a passage of Scripture for you today. Just a, a very short passage of Scripture from, uh, from Paul's letter to Timothy. And this is one of the letters that Paul wrote toward the end of his ministry. And Timothy was this young leader, and, I, and it's interesting because, you know, Paul tells Timothy, he says, don't let anybody forsake you for your youth. And at that time, Timothy was probably around 40 years old. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, just wanted to make sure. All right. He says, he, he, he writes this letter to Timothy, and Timothy is in the city of Ephesus at the time, and he's, he's basically, there's a church that's been planted, and he's kind of, he's coaching up a bunch of pastors, and he's kind of an apostolic emissary, but Paul writes this letter, and listen to what he says in chapter 1, starting in verse 15. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God Amen. Father, we ask right now for your Holy Spirit to awaken our hearts to the beauty of Jesus and his kingdom. We pray this in your name. Amen. 
You know, so like Paul, this is really interesting. He's, he is the prime example. In his own language, he says, I'm a prime example. And he's a prime example of grace and mercy, of God's patience, of God's love. And Paul has a really checkered past, though, in the church. And a lot of people maybe don't know the background, but formerly, Paul is a Pharisee. He is a leading Jewish scholar. And he knows about Jesus because Jesus was a very well-known figure. So he goes in after Jesus is crucified and is raised from the dead powerfully by the power of the Spirit on the third day, Paul begins to to persecute the church. And in Acts chapter 7, there's this this deacon, this... this, uh, this just a normal like servant in the church who's preaching the gospel on the streets and, and all these religious evil leaders hear him and then they end up stoning him. And at, at the end of, of the story in, in Acts 8 verse 1, it says that all of the people who stone Stephen, they bring their cloaks and they lay it at the feet of Paul, which in that culture was their way of saying, we've done this at your bidding. And, and Paul approves of it. Okay, so Paul goes into it and he's not a fan of Christians. He sees Christians as being contrary and enemies to the very religion that he had dedicated his whole entire life to. So he's killing them left and right. And he's doing everything he can to squash the movement of the Spirit in the outpouring of the Spirit onto the church and the spread of of God's mission as more and more churches are being planted um, he also, later on in life, there's these false teachers that get raised up and they start saying things to, to the churches he's planted. They're saying, you shouldn't really trust Paul. You shouldn't really listen to what he says. He says that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. But really, is it? It's not. You have to follow all these rules and regulations. And so all these false teachers are speaking badly about him. Um, He's widely gossiped about. In fact, if you look at a lot of the the letters that he wrote in our New Testament, many of them are responses. He's responding to churches and say, listen, you've heard this about me. That's not true. Let me me help you understand the truth. And then one of my favorite things about Paul is that he's dismissed by the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, he's dismissed because he's not an eloquent speaker. He's not a very great oratory skilled person, and and that's an interesting theme, because Moses, do you remember how he went through the book of Moses for last month? There's multiple times Moses is like, I can't speak, Lord. I can't do it. You have to find someone else, right? I mean, it's so interesting to me that some of of the, the, the best people throughout church history are not great speakers, and yet they have this huge impact. Like, you know, it's kind of funny. A lot of people don't know this uh, in my story. So I, did, I went to uh, university. I did my undergrad in theology. So I had to take a preaching class. I, it was the only class in my undergrad that I failed. Literally. In fact, uh, Don can attest, when I used to do like, sermons when I first started, I would literally just sit here like this the whole time. I was so nervous. You know, I'm like, this isn't distracting at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> right? I was just like, oh. and, and then, I, then I go to grad school, and I'm in seminary, and I had to take two uh, preaching courses. They're called homiletics. That's what, what it, the technical term for it. Both classes did not do well. Barely passed the first one, just, I mean, barely passed the second one. And my second class, my professor literally told me, if there's anything else you can do in life than preach, you should probably do that. Okay? And it was like two years later, the Lord's like, I want you to be a pastor. It's like, ah, okay. So this is the predominant thing. So this is why a lot of you, when you're like, oh, I don't really feel comfortable sharing on Sundays, get over it, okay? 
you'll be okay. But like, that's the, that's the story. Paul's not this really eloquent speaker. And so the Corinthians are like, well, we have all these great Greco-Roman philosophers available to us, and many of them are very persuasive speakers. This is what Paul says. I love this. Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he says this, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. Anybody relate to that? Yeah. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like, oh, we need more of that, don't we? Right? And, and so we, we have this, this story running throughout Paul's life is that he is a prime example of someone who used to kill Christians. He, he was uh, lied about and gossiped about all the time. He was a person who, who didn't fit the mold of what it meant to be a, a Christian leader. And then he wasn't a great speaker. He, he wasn't a great speaker. He was a great thinker. He was a theologian of theologians, but he wasn't like a super persuasive speaker. And so his whole entire point here is that, is that even though he wasn't those things, he did have something that was unique. And the thing that he had that was unique was the power and presence of God. And that's what made the difference. Paul knew that his testimony was one of the prime examples of God's grace, unmerited favor. He was one of the prime examples of God's mercy where we don't get what we deserve. And so this is what I want to do just for a few more minutes, okay? We are starting a new sermon series today called Next, and we're going to be talking about investing in the next generation a little bit, about what just, what does that look like as a church community? And, and you know, I had all these uh, different texts of scripture that I was planning on, you know, there's all these stories in the Bible about God using young children to do great things, right? But, you know, I think before we even lean into some of those stories I think we need to wrestle with the implications of what Paul is telling us right here in 1 Timothy chapter 1. We've got to think about this a little bit. I mean, here's what I want us to do when we look at the story of, of Paul, is that we as followers of Jesus, and specifically as the vineyard, we have to have space for anyone and everyone. Let me say that again. We need to have space for anyone and everyone to come to Jesus, no matter their age, no matter their background, no matter their social economic status. I mean, we have to have space, and we do. We have space in this room for more people. And so we need to really lean into that. Um, I mean, I think oftentimes younger people, and this is, this is me being vulnerable like, uh, and honest, like when I was younger, when I was in my you know, 20s and in my 30s, I was, I, would, I was like so afraid of teenagers because it was like I used to be one of them and I hated my age. You know, I'm at the age now where I know I'm a dork. I'm a dork. I'm, I'm, not, re I'm not ready to accept that yet, though. And so it's like really insecure. And then, you know, you get into like you get into your 30s and, and teenagers are scary, but then there's other ages that are scary. And like now I'm like junior hires. Oh, my gosh. So they're so scary. I'm like, they're, so, they're smarter than me. They know how to do things on my phone that I don't even understand, right? I mean, I'm like, they're like tracking me. I'm like, whoa, and, and, right? But like, you know what I mean? Like, you can be scared of different ages. Like, I think oftentimes older folks or maybe more seasoned or mature people might be a little bit more afraid of, of younger people. And then I think there's a lot of younger people that, that don't quite get more seasoned people. But we need to value all of us, right? Let me tell you why. Here's, here's why, okay? Because I want to be really clear here. 
We, we will not be a church that ever does anything at the expense of anybody, right? Like, I don't want to be like, we're all about young people. Forget the older people. Just like we don't ever want to be a church that's like, we're all about catering to the older people. Younger people, get over it, right? It's like we want to be this place where we can, we can, we can keep that tension. But here's why we need to really buy into this. And I'm speaking to those of us who are in the room who are over 40, okay? Like, young people are the crazy ones that will sell everything and move to Modoc County and plant a church. Right? I mean, it's true. Like, when, when you all know the story, our associate pastor, when she came, our kids pastor, she ran everything here, let's be honest. When she came and met with Don and I, I remember, you know, many of you know the story, but she's, they wanted to meet. We go to, like, this place at 7 in the morning for coffee, and we're driving there, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, it's two things. The only reason why people ever want to meet with us is because they're mad at us or they're going to plant a church. It's one of the two. So we sat down and I'm like, I'm like, are you guys leaving to plant a church? And then she starts crying. Nikki's like, yes, the Lord's given me a burden for our, my old community. And I'm like, that's not from God. That's from Satan. That is not the Lord. That's not the kingdom. Yeah, it was wrong. But right, like when you're younger, you're dumb. <laughs> Like Don and I, we, we got married, we had kids like right away, we got two kids and it's like, hey, why don't we give up everything and move to this town for, with 1,200 people and start pastoring at a church with 20 people in it? How are we going to get paid? They don't have any money. I don't know. It's the Lord will provide. You're dumb, right? It's true, okay? But is it not true that we, as like those of us in the room who are over 40, don't we want to empower that and, ins- and see that as inspirational and, and encourage it and say, yes, go do those things? You want to know why? Because life in God has a way of humbling people too, doesn't it? And so like people have to learn the hard way sometimes. And, and so it, this, is, this is what it looks like. If we can get a vision for investing in the next generation and the next generation can see us who are, I'm throwing the 40, if you're 40 and older, you're old, okay? We just didn't accept it, all right? All right, we just do. Like, I have to have bifocals now. I'm fine with it. I don't own them yet, but I need to have them, okay? My point is, is that it's okay. We have to buy into the next generation. And God is doing something really unique right now in our, in our church. Like, there, you fo- there's a whole bunch of people I meet with on, there's some, a small group I have on Wednesday where I'm learning, like, new phrases. We'll be learning those in a couple weeks here. I'm learning about how to be cool, like, man, this service was lit. Y'all didn't know. That's actually like saying it's good. I was like, it was lit on fire? That's bad, isn't it? Like, we want to invest in the next generation as a church. But we have to have vision for that a little bit too, don't we? Right? And then I think, you know, if you're in this room and you're under the age of 30, can I just tell you the best and the wisest thing you could do in this room is to identify some people who are in their 60s and spend time with them because they have gone through life and they know things that you and I don't know. And like, there's nothing. Some of my best friends are in their 60s and every time I talk to them about something I'm going through, they're like, oh, I went through that 85 years ago. You know, and like, and they have like all this really great wisdom and I'm like writing it down. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, let's stand up together. There's, there's, we're going to just pray really quickly here. There's two types of people in this room, okay? Two types of people in this room right now. <clears throat> Let's just pray for a minute here. Father, we thank you for your presence. Our prayer every Sunday for as long as the vineyard's been around is come Holy Spirit.
There's two types of people in this room right now. Just everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed just for a moment here. There's two types of people in this room. Some of you in this room, you are part of that group who thinks that there's certain people that are unreachable. Like, right now, I bet you if I said, is there anybody in your life that you don't think will ever come to faith? We all have somebody. Maybe it's that jerk-faced neighbor down the street who blows his leaves onto your yard. If that's me, I apologize. For others, maybe it's, it's someone who their politics doesn't match up with your politics. How, the Lord would never save that progressive or that fundy. Like, maybe that's where you're at. Or maybe there's someone who you just, like that person is, has done so many bad and evil things. They, they'll never ever come into the kingdom. And, and here's the thing. If you have people that you've identified in your life as being unreachable, I want you to know that Paul is telling us that the prime example in your life that you think is unreachable can be the very people that God's kingdom reaches next. Because God's grace, mercy, and love knows no bounds. And there's not a human being alive that God's spirit is not at work in right now. So if you're in that, in that category, we're going to pray for you in a minute. But the second category is, is, is maybe most important right now is that maybe you're in the category where you think that you're unreachable. And you, you came here this morning and you hear all these songs and these ideas about God's grace being so wonderful and, and His mercy is new every morning and that God loves all human beings, but you have a hard time accepting that reality for your life. And, and you can see it being true for others, but you have a hard time understanding how God actually is, is eager to have a relationship with you. God desires to know you and to be known by you and to have this relationship that, that builds and, and grows and, and God heals you and transforms you and puts your life back together and, and takes all the calamity and shame and unforgiveness that you've been wrestling with and heals it all and brings peace into your life. And if, if that's you this morning, I want to tell you a couple things. Number one, is that you can make the decision to follow Jesus right now. You don't have to keep putting it on. The Bible is explicitly clear that that the moment we make that decision and say, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you were resurrected. You're alive, Jesus, and that you want to be in my life right now. The minute we do that, Paul says that we're saved by grace through faith. The minute we express that faith, we are instantly transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus. And so if you haven't made that decision today, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Now, everybody's eyes are closed right now. This is not the time to be looking around and see who's the most unreached person or who's the worst or who hasn't done this. But if you're here this morning and you have not made that decision, you've never ever accepted the reality that Jesus loves you far more than you could ever imagine, you haven't done that and you want to do that this morning, I'm just going to ask you to do something right now. Super brave. It's courageous. It is maybe more difficult and challenging than you can ever imagine. But I'm going to, I'm going to ask you right now to put your hand up and just let it, let let me know if that's something you want to do. Is there anybody in the room that has not made that decision yet? Fully surrendered to God. Is there anybody else? 
There's a number of people with their hands up. You, you don't have to feel like you're weird either to do this. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. If you've never done that, this is what I want to do. I want to pray for you. And so, Father, for these people in this room who are saying, yes, I want to make the decision to follow you, Jesus. I want to surrender my life. I want to experience the peace that your kingdom brings. Would you right now with your Holy Spirit do the miraculous, the impossible? Would you, would you draw their hearts to you to center on you, to receive more of your presence and your power? Would you bring peace? And for everybody else in this room, as we've been thinking about people who we consider unreachable or, or weirdos or outside the bounds of God's grace, would you give us vision to see that your kingdom knows no bounds? that your grace is always sufficient, and that your love spans the, the, spans the world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before we take off really quickly, for those of you in this room who made that decision and said, yes, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus, there's a couple things that I want to encourage you to do. There are Bibles here and here. They're free. If you don't have a Bible, take a Bible, start reading Scripture. Number two, um, I think you should start praying, talking to God. That's all it is, talking to God. And then three, I think it's important to connect with other followers of Jesus so they can help you grow, okay? Folks, have a great week. I'll see you next Sunday.